Hey, Richies. This year, even the rich turns three, and we want you to celebrate with us. Between now and the end of March, you can send a personal message to Brooke and me that might be selected to play at the end of an episode. Yeah, it can be a shout out about one of your favorite ETR moments, or you can just tell us how much you love us. If you're in the U.S., use any Alexa device or the Alexa app and say, Alexa, send a voice comment. Be sure to tell us your name and city. Then listen to see if yours makes it on the show. And check out some of our favorites so far at the end of today's episode. We can't wait to hear from you. A quick heads up. This episode contains cursing and a brief incident with a hammer. Please be advised. It's December 1954 in Los Angeles. Lucille Ball has just arrived on the set of I Love Lucy. It's early, and she's wearing a pair of big sunglasses to cover her bags. She looks around for her assistant, desperate for that first cup of coffee. But she can't find her anywhere. In fact, the usual bustle on set is at a standstill. Everyone is huddled away in corners with their noses buried behind the same magazine cover. What the hell is going on, Lucy wonders. Was war declared? Is Marilyn Monroe dating someone new? She waves at two set designers sharing a magazine. But as she takes a step towards them, they quickly scurry away. Lucy's heart starts to beat a little faster. Suddenly, she doesn't need caffeine. She makes a beeline for her dressing room. Because something tells her she just doesn't want to be in public when she reads whatever's in that article. Inside, she yells for her assistant. The girl arrives in the doorway, but her face is pale and she won't make eye contact. Lucy tells her to start talking. She looks up at Lucy and whispers, there's an article about you and Desi in Hollywood Confidential. Mm. That old rag, says Lucy, rolling her eyes. She tries to play it cool, but her temperature is starting to rise. Hollywood Confidential may be a trashy gossip mag, but everyone reads it. It's like the 1950s TMZ. Hand it over, Lucy says. I I don't have a copy, the assistant stammers. Lucy is about to lose it. Not knowing what everyone is talking about is eating away at her. She screams at her to go find a copy. Christ, I can't go and buy it myself. The assistant darts out and returns seconds later. Her hands shake as she hands over the magazine. Lucy snatches it, and there on the front page is the headline, Does Desi Really Love Lucy? A wave of nausea washes over her as she reads the details. Not only was Desi caught cheating, he was spotted at the Beverly Hills Hotel with a sex worker. Oh, come on, Desi. I know, it gets worse. The article goes on to recount multiple sightings of him with different women he's paying for sex. It calls Desi a sizzling Romeo and a Latin Lothario. And it refers to Lucy as a bitter housewife who chases him around with a flat iron. Okay, so let me just make sure I understand this. He cheats, that makes him a stud. Mm -hmm. But she gets cheated on, and that makes her a villain. Them's the rules, baby doll. The article (laughs) is absolutely humiliating. It quotes Desi as saying, A real man should have as many girls as hairs on the head. Wow, body-shaming men and promoting infidelity. Desi really is the whole package. He really is. And it's really awful. But it's not a big surprise. Lucy has suspected for a long time that Desi never really gave up his womanizing ways. But it's one thing for Lucy to know it. It's another for the whole world to know. Because right now, Lucy's not thinking about herself. She's thinking about her audience and how she might lose them. If people don't believe that Desi really loves Lucy, why would they watch them play a loving couple on TV? And to Lucy, the one thing worse than the end of the Arnezes is the end of the Ricardos. So I just want to say DoorDash deserves all the gold stars. Like, I cannot tell you how many times it's come in handy. Mm -hmm. We actually use it for our Thursday night sleepovers. We get Cheesecake Factory all the time on DoorDash. (laughs) Uh, But it's it's good for a lot of things. Groceries, late night snacks, all kinds of stuff. And before you ask, Richie's, yes, of course we have a code. You can use code (laughs) RICH24 to get 50% off up to a $10 value. When you spend $15 or more on your next convenience, grocery, or retail order, 
For eligible users only, terms apply. Love it. Listen, Richie, as you play your cards right, you never have to leave your house again. <laughs> yep. And that's the real dream. <laughs> it is. Get everything you need when you need it. Use code RICH24 to get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more at convenience, grocery, or select retail stores on DoorDash. For eligible users only, terms apply. You're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. From Wondery, I'm Brooke Sifrin. And I'm Arisha Skidmore-Williams. And this is Even the Rich. In our last episode, I Love Lucy became an instant hit and turned Lucille Ball into a superstar. But just as she gets everything she's ever wanted, Desi's philandering becomes front-page news. Now, Lucy has to figure out if her marriage is really worth saving. And answer the question, who is Lucy without Desi? This is episode four. What's good for Lucy? It's later that same night. Lucy's sitting in the living room of her Chatsworth ranch waiting for Desi to come home. In one hand, she's holding the confidential article. And in the other, a hammer. I mean, at this rate, Lucy should look to have a hammer company sponsor her. Or at the very least, have a hammer company sponsor this season of Even the Rich. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this time, she's not just going to take it out on the car. She's going straight for the driver. Mm. Harriet, the Arnez's housekeeper, is desperately trying to get her to calm down. But Lucy is livid. She keeps thinking about how selfish Desi is. To let himself get caught. To risk everything they've worked so hard to build. And for what? 20 minutes in a back room of a Beverly Hills bungalow? 20? That's being generous. I'm a giver. Lucy knows (laughs) that if people don't believe in her and Desi, the show doesn't stand a chance. And every minute that goes by, her anger builds. So by the time Desi finally shows up, a full two hours after he said he would, Lucy's at turbo levels of rage. Desi strides through the door, waving the confidential article. He looks just about as pissed off as Lucy. He says, Can you believe what those son of a bitches are saying about me? This wasn't what Lucy was expecting. He gets down on his knees and swears that he didn't cheat. The article is pure fiction. In fact, he just got off the phone with his lawyer. He's going to sue them for libel. I mean, this is chapter one of the cheater's handbook, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, and it doesn't work on Lucy. She isn't buying his bullshit. Not anymore. And the fact that he's trying to deny it just pisses her off more. So she whips out the hammer and hits Desi hard on the forehead. Okay, all right. I was on Lucy's side, but now assault? Come on, she's got to do better. Agree. Desi's body hits the ground and Harriet Mm. lets out a scream. Lucy and Harriet race into the kitchen to grab ice packs. They apply them to Desi's head but he's not showing any signs of life. Oh my God. Lucy is starting to panic. Of course she was furious, but she didn't want him to die. So she starts to come up with a story to tell the cops. He fell down the stairs and bumped his head. Lucky for Lucy, she never has to use this lame excuse because Desi starts to come too. The two women groan with relief. Desi's got a giant welt in the middle of his forehead, but besides that, he seems okay. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this is still not enough to break these two up. Mm, go right on on it, because you're right. <laughs> now that Lucy's gotten her anger out, she actually feels a lot better. <sighs> she doesn't see the need to divorce Desi and blow up her career, especially since that would mean admitting defeat, which isn't exactly one of Lucy's strong suits. Besides, she starts to think about what life would be like without Desi. First of all, it'd be the end of I Love Lucy, which would mean kissing her giant salary goodbye. And Lucy really likes being the highest paid actress on television. And more than the cash, there's the fame. 
Lucy's one of the most recognizable people in the world now. She was just on the cover of Time magazine. That's reserved for world leaders and Hall of Famers. We're talking Queen Elizabeth level here. Lucy's been chasing that kind of recognition her whole life. She's not gonna let her marriage crumble, especially not when they're on the brink of building a television empire. But the most important reason, the really unbelievable one that beats out everything else, even after everything he's put her through, Lucy still loves Desi. And for Lucy, there's no arguing with love. It's January 1958, and Lucy and Desi are on the back lot of RKO Studios. They're sitting by themselves on the steps of an old Western-style saloon, where dozens of cowboy movies have been shot. It's only 10 in the morning, but they're sipping champagne. This is a celebration, because they just bought the place. Ah, what's nonstop cheating and deadly assault when you can buy a whole studio? Exactly! I mean, it's been four years since the confidential story broke, and they've weathered the worst of the storm. They're trying to make their marriage work, and it feels like it may be the glue to keep them together. Still, it's a really big move. When Lucy and Desi started Desilu Productions, it was to have some control over their own material. They wanted to have a say in how I Love Lucy was produced. But in the last eight years, the company has grown substantially. Desi Lu now has seven television shows under its belt besides I Love Lucy, along with a small studio lot where they shoot. Lucy and Desi want to keep the momentum up. And to do that, they need a bigger studio to expand their production. For years, they've watched studio bosses rule like tyrants. Louis B. Mayer ran MGM like his own personal playground, controlling his actors and making outrageous demands. Lucy and Desi know they can do a much better job and not be dicks about it. So when RKO announced it was up for sale, they took the leap. You know, I gotta say, buying the studio where you started out as a no-name actor is pretty badass. It is. I can't wait until we buy Wondery. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> but there are a couple of catches. First of all, it's expensive. They're paying $500,000 out of pocket as a down payment. That's over $5 million in today's money. It's a big gamble. Second, RKO doesn't look anything like the studio where Lucy started out. It's fallen into serious disrepair. The sets are literally falling down, and some of the roofs are even caving in. The commissary where she first met Desi looks like it was hit by a tornado. So it's going to take a big effort for Lucy and Desi to turn this place around. But it's a risk they're going to have to take if they want to play in the major leagues. Plus, this feels personal. Like they're doubling down on their future as a couple. Maybe buying the place where they fell in love will bring the love back into their marriage. And Lucy is determined to make it better. So, Lucy and Desi write a big-ass check, and RKO becomes Desi Lu Studios. Desi is the president, and Lucy is vice president. Dislike, but okay. <laughs> They get to work fixing it up. They restore it to its former glory and make the crumbling sound stages look like the I Love Lucy one, with large open spaces for sets and bleachers for live studio audiences. Their hard work pays off, and Desilu Studios starts raking in huge profits. But just as their company finds its financial footing, Lucy and Desi's marriage begins to fall apart again. And that's because Desi starts to hit the sauce hard. He's always been a drinker. He's a life-of-the-party kind of guy. Before, it had always been about fun. But now that he's older, the alcohol hits him harder. His doctors warn him that he's destroying his organs. But he ignores them, because alcohol is his way of coping. He's under a lot of stress as a studio head. He's in charge of producing new shows, selling them to networks, and getting financing. All of this is in addition to producing and starring in I Love Lucy. So he starts each morning off by spiking his coffee. Then he has a couple drinks with breakfast. It gets so bad that employees know to have him sign anything they need before 10 a.m. Because afterwards, he's too drunk to hold a pen. Oof. Yeah. The drinking drives Lucy crazy. It's like he's sabotaging their success again. 
and it starts to eat away at the little goodwill they have left. What started as tension turns into full-blown animosity. On set, they won't even speak to each other directly. Instead, Desi will turn to a director and say, would you tell Ms. Ball to move over? And Lucy will reply to the director, tell Mr. Arnez I can't move. I love when grown adults cosplay as immature juveniles. (laughs) Same. And it seems like nothing can curb Desi's drinking. The cops bring him home for public drunkenness multiple times. And just when Lucy thinks she can't take it anymore, he takes it to a whole new level. It's a normal Tuesday afternoon in Chatsworth. Lucy is getting home from set after a solo publicity shoot. In the old days, Desi would have been there too. But today, he claimed he had things to do. Only when Lucy gets home, she sees his car in the lot. Here we go. She goes straight up the stairs to his bedroom, by which I mean the guest bedroom. Lucy and Desi have been sleeping separately for months now. Usually, she steers clear of his wing of the house. But today, she's got a nagging feeling. And that's where she finds Desi, naked, in bed with two women. So does this mean he has two new strands of hair on his head? You know it. He's counting them by the day. (laughs) Luckily, Lucy doesn't have a hammer, because this time she might actually finish him off. Look, I'm not trying to victim blame here, but when Mm -hmm. someone shows you who they are, believe them. Agree. And it's almost unthinkable that Lucy doesn't leave him at this point. Desi's messed up too many times to count. It's like he's begging her to end things. But somehow she still can't bring herself to pull the trigger. Even though at this point, she's completely miserable. It's like she doesn't know who she is without Desi. Her life is defined by their relationship. The constant cycle of fighting and reconciliation and she's scared to death of being on her own. But a few days later, Desi does the most humane thing he's done in years. He ends things. Ooh. I mean, I know it's gotta hurt, but come on, someone needed to. This marriage was a fucking disaster. Yeah. The scene is a total anticlimax. They're on set, taking a break between scenes. Lucy sneaks into their office to get a drink of water. When she finishes, she looks behind her and sees Desi. He followed her, clearly wanting a moment of privacy. And that's when he tells her, without anger, without heat, just a sad and resolute, Lucy, I want a divorce. And Lucy says, okay. There's no fight to be had because they've had them all already. So right there, off stage when no one is looking, their 20-year marriage finally comes to a close. It's March 2nd, 1960, and Lucy and Desi are on set. They're filming an episode called Lucy Meets the Mustache. It's a lighthearted romp where Lucy dresses as a mustachioed chauffeur to help Desi get a job. It's cute and full of silly hijinks. But the mood on set is somber, because this is the very last episode of I Love Lucy that will ever be filmed. Lucy walks onto the living room set in an oversized chauffeur's uniform and mustache. It's time to film the last shot, and it's of her and Desi kissing. Hmm, can't be easy, but I'm sure it paved the way for Penn Badgley and Blake Lively on Gossip Girl season two. Spoilers! (laughs) Desi has added directing to his resume, so he's the one who calls action. Suddenly, Lucy is flooded with sadness. It's the end of an era. The end of the show that made her a star. It's the end of the Ricardos. And it's the end of the Arnezes. Because after they finish up today, she's going to the courthouse to officially file for divorce. But when Desi goes in for the kiss, Lucy can still feel the love she has for him. Even though it's battered and bruised, it's still there. She realizes that it'll never entirely go away. And it's clear Desi feels the same way. After the kiss, he nuzzles his face in her hair, hiding the tears that are welling up. Lucy tries to blink back her own tears. She reminds Desi to call cut. Desi pulls away. I know, he says. Cut, goddammit. And that's a wrap. After six seasons and 180 episodes, 
the lights go down on I Love Lucy for the last time. Did you know that with the Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you could be building your credit with on-time payments for your everyday purchases? There's no annual fee, interest, or credit check to get started. Complete your Credit Builder Starter Kit with Chime's checking account. With a qualifying direct deposit, Chime's checking account allows you to get paid up to two days early and overdraft up to $200 without fees using their Spot Me feature. Plus, I love that you can pay friends through Chime even if they're not Chime members. And when you receive money, you can cash it out fee-free. That's going to be helpful for group dinners for sure. Oh, for sure. (laughs) So start building your credit. Open a Chime checking account with at least a $200 qualifying direct deposit to get started. Get started at Chime.com slash rich. That's Chime.com slash rich. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and over-the-counter advance fees may apply. Call 1-844-244-6363 for details. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. Early access to direct deposit funds depends on payer. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. One of the most important steps in my makeup routine is applying mascara. I feel like it makes such a big difference, especially because I have like the blondest lashes. And putting it on is so satisfying. And I am currently loving L'Oreal Paris's new Panorama Mascara, which easily gets into those short, pesky corner Mm -hmm. lashes to really create panoramic lash volume. Yeah. And their tapered brush works to give you fully fanned out lashes. So you'll look like you're wearing falsies. It really highlighted my eyes. It stayed on all day, which is I'm somebody who just sweats off things a lot, I guess. (laughs) I got home by the end of the day. I was like, oh, I don't even need to re-up this. Nice. I do love that gold packaging, too. It's like very fancy. I love it. So if you're looking for an affordable mascara that gives you voluminous lengthened lashes, you can buy the Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. It's 1960, and Lucille Ball is 49 years old, newly single, and lying sprawled out on her living room floor. It's a very nice floor. The plush carpet feels soft against the back of her thighs. She's staring up at a chandelier that costs more than most people earn in a year. But right now, Lucy can't stop trembling because she has no idea how she got here. What's going on here? Is she drunk? No, but she did pass out. Ever since Desi left, Lucy's been a nervous wreck. It's gotten so bad that she's been having fainting spells. Lucy's life has turned into one prolonged panic attack because she's all alone. No husband and no show. The anxiety is starting to get physical, just like it did with that stutter back in her MGM days. Her next step is clear. Lucy needs medical intervention ASAP. And in typical Lucy fashion, she finds herself a world-famous psychologist. But she's too busy to actually go to him and lie on his couch. She finds it a lot more efficient, not to mention convenient, to just read his book. The doctor's name is David Seabury, and his book is a bestseller called The Art of Selfishness. It's all about putting yourself first, which is something she hasn't done in almost 20 years. Lucy realizes that she spent the last two decades focused on making Desi happy in order to keep their marriage together. She put her own career on the line when they first got together. I mean, wish it hadn't taken so long, but (laughs) better late than never. Exactly. She helped Desi make a name for himself. And once he made it as an actor, she pushed him towards directing to boost his ego. She wanted to make sure he was never in her shadow. Basically, Lucy's been totally unselfish her whole life. Which means, according to this book, she's been doing it all wrong. And with a little distance and perspective, she agrees. Lucy needs to make some big changes. The book's basic theory is, and I quote, everyone should look after his or her own needs and life would fall into place. AKA, put your oxygen mask on first. Yes, love that rule. And this basic theory sounds amazing to Lucy. She imagines a peaceful, calm, happy version of herself, filled with a lot more love and a lot less stress. So she dives into Dr. Seabury's treatment program, which starts with a pair of scissors. She writes a question on a piece of paper. Is this good for Lucy? 
Then she cuts it out and tapes it to her mirror where she'll see it first thing every morning. Lucy stands at her mirror, reading the question over and over. She drills it into her head. And slowly, over the next couple of months, the fainting spells subside. Lucy starts to get a pretty clear idea of what would be good for her. And it involves coming face to face with an old demon from her past. Every morning, Lucille Ball asks herself what's good for Lucy. And after about a hundred times, she decides the answer is Broadway. Yes, Broadway is the answer for all of us. Always. And yes, Broadway was tough the first time, but Lucy's older now, not to mention wiser and stronger. Strong enough to stare down all those shitty memories of her life in New York. She's ready to star in a Broadway musical with her name on the marquee, big and bright. And things really have changed. First of all, she's loaded. So this time, she gets to skip the fifth floor walk up and goes straight to the penthouse. She buys a huge place on the Upper East Side and decks it out like a mansion in the sky. God, first RKO Studios and now New York. This girl is a masterclass on starting from the bottom, mm. now we here. Mm-hmm. And, not to mention, no more ketchup soup. It's caviar <laughs> and champagne all the way. But unfortunately, that's where Easy Street stops. Starring in a Broadway musical is still a huge challenge. She hasn't done much to improve her singing and dancing skills since she got booted out of drama school. But Lucy really wants to get out of her comfort zone. So those are the skills she's going to tackle once and for all. She just left the show that brought her worldwide fame. Everyone knows her as Lucy Ricardo. If she's going to move on with her life and her career, she's got to show people she can play some other roles. Lucille Ball is back on stage for the first time in years. For the last several months, she's been working her ass off in rehearsals for a show called Wildcat. In it, she plays Wildcat Jackson, a rugged prospector determined to strike it rich in the oil biz. Okay, that feels oddly perfect for Lucy. It does, but not too long into rehearsals, Lucy remembers theater is tough. Don't get me wrong, she's working as hard as she always has and gives 110%. She learns the choreography cold and stays up until all hours memorizing the songbook. But there's another book she can't stop thinking about. The one that made her ask, what's good for Lucy? And she's starting to wonder whether being in a Broadway show might actually be really bad for Lucy. Doing a musical comedy is incredibly physically strenuous. Dancing and singing for hours straight is grueling for anyone. Well, I think our rousing rendition of Eminem at karaoke has taught us this lesson <laughs> tenfold. I wish that wasn't true, but it's so true. <laughs> and Lucy's dealing with a few teensy tiny injuries, like a broken leg. Mm. She broke it in a boating accident. Lucy claimed that it was healed, but she's still in a ton of pain. And the damage she inflicts during those long practices makes it so the leg never fully heals for the rest of her life. Lucy's struggling to get through rehearsals, and things don't get better when the show opens. Because she has a whole new problem. Bad reviews. Variety calls the show a failure, and the Times says, Wildcat won't be hitting any oil. Well, haters gonna hate. <laughs> yeah. In other words, the critics hate it. And Lucy's heartbroken. She can't stop thinking of those drama school professors she wanted to prove wrong. She feels like a failure all over again. What she really wants to do is find that damn psychologist and throw his stupid what's good for Lucy shit right back in his face. But then something happens. She finds support in the last place she ever expected. Lucy storms into her sky palace after another meh performance of Wildcat and throws her coat on the floor. And then she sees it. The latest issue of Variety opened to a full-page ad. One of her assistants must have dropped it off. At first, she cringes. This is the magazine that just criticized her, after all. But as she looks closer, a smile starts to creep across her face. 
The ad says that Lucille Ball is fabulous in Wildcat. And under that, there's a giant photo of a massive line of people queuing up for tickets. Lucy's eyes well up. Not just because of the photo or the fact that her fans still love her, despite what the critics say. She has tears in her eyes because she knows who took that ad out. The one who stepped up in her hour of need. And that person is Desi. So he had time between sex workers to place an ad? (laughs) Yeah, apparently he did. (laughs) Ever since she got to Broadway, Desi has totally reformed. He's been there with advice and kind words whenever she needs it. And like the ad shows, he's still got his touch for the grand gesture. Not to mention, he's sober. Mm. After their divorce, Desi went to rehab. And sober Desi is giving Lucy more attention now than he has in years. Okay, but a few months of good behavior doesn't cancel out years of philandering. Agree. But Desi really seems to have changed. When Lucy had that boating accident, Desi showed up at the hospital with flowers. He was in the front row on the opening night of Wildcat. And now he's taking on her harshest critics with that ad. And honestly, it all feels amazing to Lucy. It reminds her that even though their marriage was usually a hot mess, the good moments were the best of her life. So when Desi asks Lucy if she wants to get back together, she's got to take a moment and think. And think about the most comical way to say fuck (laughs) no, I hope. (laughs) The best way to say no if you ask me. But she's definitely still attracted to Desi, and she can't help but think how their marriage would have turned out if he'd quit drinking earlier. But there's something else steering this decision. For the first time in 20 years, she's got a new love in her life. The clock is just hitting midnight as Lucy slips into the smoke-filled air of Danny's hideaway. It's a dimly lit hangout for theater people. She just finished a show, so she's exhausted, not to mention starving. Lucy clocks some friends at a table and heads towards them. She sits down and throws a cigarette towards the one guy there she doesn't know and tells him to light it. The guy throws it back at her and says, light it yourself. Lucy catches the cigarette and stares at him in shock. How dare he? I mean, we can't just be throwing cigarettes at strangers. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And he might be a stranger to her, but everyone knows who she is. I mean, she's one of the most famous celebrities in the world. But this guy's acting like he doesn't give a damn. So Lucy leans forward to get a better look at him. She doesn't know if she should be offended or intrigued. The guy's got a rugged face and a bad toupee. But Lucy's kind of into it. In her own words, she thinks he's, quote, ugly handsome. Plus, he keeps grinning at her, like he's daring her to blow up at him, which makes her burst out laughing. She finds his audacity hilarious. And we all know, Lucy can't resist a guy who makes her laugh. She jabs him in the arm and asks, so who are you, what do you do? He tells her his name is Gary Morton and he's a comedian, a nightclub performer. Then he jabs her right back in the arm and asks, what do you do? (laughs) Lucy nearly falls off her chair. She hasn't had anyone ask her that in God knows how long. She knows he's screwing with her, but she loves it. Lucy may have walked in exhausted and dreaming about a steak, but now she's only thinking about Gary. So what I'm hearing is, I meet Chris Evans, pretend Mm -hmm. I don't know him, Mm -hmm. and then bam, it's bye-bye Alba What's-Her-Face, hello, Arisha Skidmore-Williams-Evans? Yeah, you gotta throw stuff at him first, though. Oh, easy. And I don't know that he's ugly handsome, but the ugly handsome thing for Lucy is definitely an appeal. Because Lucy sees Gary as the anti-Desi. She feels like she's ready for something new. At least, that's what she tells herself. Lucy and Gary go on a couple dates, and Lucy loves what she sees in him. Gary's easygoing and reliable. When he goes on the road to do stand-up, he calls her every night. Lucy never has to worry that he's cheating on her. And when they go to parties, she never finds him in dark corners flirting with other women. She thinks she might be falling for this guy. The only problem? Deep down, she still misses Desi. And going out with his polar opposite only reinforces that fact. When Lucy's with Desi, the passion is still very much alive. She can't be around him without feeling an overpowering sense of love. 
and it's not the kind of love you're supposed to have for your ex-husband. Things come to a head when they get together for Desi Jr.'s eighth birthday, and they can barely keep their hands off each other. But Lucy's super conflicted. She doesn't know what to do. Until a few days later, when she gets a much-needed wake-up call. Lucy's just finished another grueling performance of Wildcat when an elderly couple comes and finds her backstage. They hand her a gold chain with a ring on it. Lucy's eyes go wide. She recognizes it. It was a gift she gave to Desi years ago. The ring is inscribed, To Desi with love from Lucy. The couple tells her they found it on a beach in Hawaii. Lucy knows this is a sign. That chain wound up lost on that beach because Desi dropped it in the midst of one of the worst fights they ever had. And she realizes that's what life with him would always be. One big fight. She doesn't want to fight anymore. Lucy wants peace in her life. She wants what's good for Lucy. And that means letting go of Desi once and for all. Personal growth, love to see it. Same. She's seeing things totally differently and letting go of some really toxic assumptions she used to make about love. It all comes down to the question, is Gary good for Lucy? And her answer is that he's great for her. With Gary, she feels something she's never felt before, secure. And right now, she'll take that over fiery passion. So on November 19th, 1961, after only 11 months of dating, Lucy and Gary tie the knot. It's a quiet wedding of only 40 people, just family and close friends. Lucy tells the press that she's looking forward to a nice, quiet life. Only Lucy doesn't do quiet, at least not for long. She needs action. So now that she's got a husband who supports her, she's ready to remind the whole world what she's made of. No matter what happens, there is one thing you can always count on me to have, and that's moisturized skin. Hard same. And even in the dead of winter when everything's yeah. staticky, still got moisturized skin. Especially in the dead of winter, yeah. And that is thanks to Drunk Elephant's Bora Barrier Repair Cream. It's their buttery, ultra-rich repair cream that's clinically proven to provide 24-hour moisture. And let me tell you, it definitely gets the job done. It truly does. I know. Because, like, you put it on and your face is... <laughs> consistently like it's just soft and I hate using the word supple but it's supple yeah and for hours like mm -hmm. it's not just for like yeah. an hour or two it's all day <laughs> I just I love it uh plus the Bora Barrier Repair Cream encourages healthy collagen production firms the skin and minimizes the look of fine lines and wrinkles so shop Drunk Elephant's new Bora Barrier Repair Cream online or in store at Sephora or at DrunkElephant.com that's online or in store at Sephora or at DrunkElephant.com The year is 1962, and Lucille Ball is finally back in Los Angeles. She's at Desi Lu Studios, soaking in the cheers of the live audience for her new sitcom, The Lucy Show. But as excited as the audience might be, Lucy's got a knot in her stomach. Because this show isn't a victory lap or some kind of homecoming parade. It's a full-on rescue mission. Desilu Studios is heading towards bankruptcy. Five out of its six TV shows have been canceled. Desi expanded operations so dramatically over the last few years that they're not even making a profit. Enter The Lucy Show. It's Lucy's last-ditch attempt to save the studio, to give the audience what they want, which is more Lucy. And it works. The show is a huge hit. It's super popular and critics love it. But still, it's not enough. And Lucy knows why. The problems at Desi Lu run a lot deeper than programming. The problem is Desi. It's 9.45 on the set of Desi Lu Studios, and Lucy is sprinting towards Desi's office. She needs to get to him before 10 a.m because that's the time he passes out drunk. Mm. God, addiction is such a beast. Yeah, and sadly, his drinking has become a big problem once again. Lucy's been looking the other way for a while, because confronting Desi means doing something she really doesn't want to do. 
but she's all out of options. So she takes a deep breath outside his office, then pushes open the door. That's where she finds Desi, laid out on his couch with a daiquiri balanced on his chest. He's drunk, but not unconscious yet. Lucy knows this because he growls at her to get the hell out of his office. And there was a time when she would have done exactly that. She's always made things work with Desi by turning away from his ugly side. The cheating Desi, the drunk Desi, the angry Desi. But Lucy can't turn away anymore. Not with her company on the line. So she clenches her fists, steadies her voice, and tells Desi to sit up. He does, a little unsteadily. Then she says, Desi, I'm buying you out. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) I know. She's firing her lifelong business partner, ex-husband, her boss, and CEO all in one fell swoop. Lucy is determined to stay in that office and have it out with him until he does. Which takes about a nanosecond. Desi looks up at her and he says, Sure. Just like that? You must be in a really bad place. He's in an awful place. If you'd have asked Lucy which one of them would bounce back fastest after the divorce, she would have said Desi by a mile. But it seems like he's the one struggling, and Lucy's the strong one who has to step up and save Desi Lou Studios and her entire legacy. She buys Desi out of his shares for $3 million. Desi resigns as president, making Lucy the first female president of a major television studio. It's a huge moment, as in she's making history and she's determined to be a success. Which is a very tall order, because drunk Desi seems to be the only person who's okay with her taking over. The executives aren't so hot on it. They give her pushback on everything, including her programming choices. Remember that moment in the boardroom when all those old white dudes were telling Lucy what an idiot she was? That her ideas were terrible and too expensive? Well, we're back there right now. And the second hand on the boardroom clock sounds as loud as gunshots. A room full of executives are staring at Lucy, waiting for her to respond to their criticism. She looks down the long boardroom table at them. Their faces are flushed with anger. They're pissed that they even have to explain any of this to her. It's all so obvious. Stuff the president of a major studio should know. And Lucy thinks back on how she handled three decades with Desi Arnaz. That charismatic, combustible, cheating, alcoholic pain in her ass. And she smiles. If she can handle Desi, then these clowns in suits are going to be a piece of cake. She stands up at the end of the table and tells them her two favorite pilots, Star Trek and Mission Impossible, are a go. Ugh, Lucille Ball is the energy we should all be bringing into 2023. Ugh, amen. I mean, I love Lucy, Mission Impossible, and Star Trek. It's like... Thank you, Lucille Ball. And it's not just that she made three of the most iconic shows in TV history. It's that she did it with everyone telling her she couldn't. That's what makes her so unbelievable. In 1968, Lucy wraps The Lucy Show after six seasons. She's not done with acting. She never will be. She needs that audience love way too much. But she also needs her family's love. So Lucy comes up with her next show. It's called Here's Lucy, and it's another sitcom. But this time, Lucy's kids on the show are teenagers, and she casts her actual children, Desi and Lucy Jr., in the roles. She even has Gary be the warm-up guy for the live audience. Family is still what motivates Lucy. She'll always use her fame to keep them close. Success has brought her a lot of things, but it hasn't healed that deep wound she carries everywhere. Yeah, successful people always say that, but I'd like to find that out for myself. (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) Years go by. Lucy does TV shows and specials, and there are adoring audiences everywhere she goes. But after all those years, she still feels that hurt. And never more strongly than in 1986, when Lucy learns that the most important person in her life is leaving her once and for all. It's November 1986 in Del Mar, California. 75-year-old Lucille Ball is in a beachfront house looking down at the love of her life. 
Desi Arnaz lies in his bed, bald from radiation and frail from chemo. Oh, no. It's really sad. The doctors say Desi doesn't have long to live. Seeing him like this knocks the wind out of Lucy. They may have gotten divorced and moved on with their lives, but their bond is unbreakable. There's no denying that Lucy's heart will always yearn for that sexy Cuban musician she fell for all those years ago. Even if he doesn't look like that now, that's how Lucy wants to remember him. And she wants to remind Desi of that guy too. So Lucy walks over to the VHS player. She pops in an old tape of I Love Lucy, sits down next to Desi, and tells him they're going to take a little trip down memory lane. Lucy! There's somebody in that closet now, isn't there? Oh, no! That's the silliest thing I ever heard of! (laughs) It is really special that they have these memories immortalized. I know, it really is. And after a few hours, Lucy can see that Desi needs to rest. So she stops the tape and tells him that she's going home. But as she walks to the door, Desi grabs her hand and says, You are home. The words hit her and the floodgates open. It's true. Desi is her home, no matter how chaotic that home can be. They really are soulmates. And that never changes. Not even after Desi passes away a few weeks later. It's December 7th, 1986. Desi Arnaz passed away five days ago, and Lucy's in Washington, D.C. with Gary. They're sitting in a packed theater filled with celebrities and dignitaries. It's a stuffy, highfalutin event where everyone is buttoned up in tuxes and evening gowns. Lucy's still in mourning, but she's pulled herself together and put on a black evening gown adorned with feathers and rhinestones. She can't skip out on this event, not when she's the one being honored. Lucy is receiving the biggest, most prestigious award a performer can get. The President of the United States, Ronald Reagan, is bestowing her with a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Kennedy Center Honors. So this was back when Lifetime Achievement Awards were given out after a lifetime instead (laughs) of a couple of decades. Exactly. And even though she's grieving, Lucy's overwhelmed by such an award and all the attention she's getting tonight. Lucy can't imagine feeling any more loved than she does right now. But it's bittersweet without Desi. The actor Robert Stack walks onto the stage. He's the star of The Untouchables, which Desi produced back in the day. He announces that he has something to read. It's a letter from Desi, written just days before his death. Oh, wow. Seriously, this is like Desi reaching out from beyond the grave. Lucy leans forward in her seat so she can hear every single word. The New York Times asked me to divide the credit for its success between the writers, the directors, and the cast. I told them, give Lucy 90% of the credit and divide the other 10% among the rest of us. Lucy wipes away the first of many tears. Desi's words hit her hard. They mean more to her than the award does. Even more than the ear-splitting applause. Lucy was the show. Viv and Fred and I were just props. Damn good props, but props nevertheless. P.S. I Love Lucy was never just a title. Mm. So, there you have it. Desi really does love Lucy. And so do millions of people all over the world. When Lucy is sick in the hospital at the end of her life, fans jam the switchboards calling to check on her. It's incredible that they feel close enough to her to actually call in. They don't just check her status in the tabloids or on the radio. They feel the urgent need to hear firsthand. It goes to show that to Lucy's fans, she isn't just some untouchable celebrity. She's like family. They call her the same way they would a sick relative. All her life, Lucy wanted to be surrounded by family. And in the end, she got her wish. A family of millions all over the world. Because the public really does love Lucy. We all do. And that's never going to change. Hey, Richies. We've loved hearing from you so far. 
check out some of our favorite comments this week. And if you're in the U.S. and want to send us your comment for the show, just use any Alexa device or the Alexa app and say, Alexa, send a voice comment. We can't wait to hear from you. Hi, Even the Rich Girls. Uh, My name is Tyler and I'm in Washington, D.C. I love your podcast. I love the balance between comedy, but historical and um, biographical. So thank you, ladies, for all you do. I'm always re-binging and listening to the episodes. It's my favorite pastime to do while I'm cleaning or cooking. Keep up the good work. This is episode four of our four-part series, Lucille Ball, Queen of Comedy. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app to binge all four episodes early and ad-free. We use many sources when researching our stories, including Love Lucy by Lucille Ball, Lucille by Kathleen Brady, Ball of Fire by Stefan Kampfer, and The Real Story of Lucille Ball by Eleanor Harris. A quick note about our scenes. Some scripted dialogue has been added for narrative cohesiveness. And a quick reminder that our Even the Rich merch store is live now. From cropped hoodies and comfy joggers to phone cases and champagne flutes, you can find it all at WonderyShop.com. And be sure to tell your friends. I'm Brooke Sifrin. And I'm Arisha Skidmore-Williams. Allison Reimer wrote this episode. Editing is by Benjamin Gray. Our audio engineer is Sergio Enriquez. Sound design is by Sam Ada. Our coordinating producer is Matt Gant. Our managing producer is Tanja Thigpen. Our series producers are Kate Young and Rachel Engelman. Our executive producers are Stephanie Jens, Jenny Lauer-Beckman, and Marsha Louie for Wondery. to Smartless? Smartless is the podcast that I host with my friends who are more like brothers. The super talented and funny Will Arnett and Sean Hayes is... JJ, well, JJ, JJ, why are, yeah. you, why are you whispering? Well, it, there's there's a psst in the, in, the, in the copy. But people are listening, so it's like... They are listening. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. In each episode of Smartless, one of us reveals our mystery guest to the other two. What ensues is a genuinely improvised and authentic conversation. Our mystery guests span. Our mystery... We'll cut this out. Our mystery guests. All right, here we, we go. We got a lot of big famous people from different walks of life. And if you're yeah, a yeah, Wondery fan, then you're going to stone. Yeah. Just you come and listen Tyson. to it. Yeah. We're on Wondery right now and you can listen yeah. to us. And no matter what you're doing, you're at the gym or you're in the car, just listen yeah. to the podcast. Sean, tell them where they can find it. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Smartless ad free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Bye. Bye. Bye.